as I uh, said at the beginning of the worship service, it is good to be back with you after a week away. I don't know how much was said about where I was last week, but I had flown um, earlier, I guess almost two weeks ago, right after uh, um, Veterans Day. I flew to Denver, uh, Colorado. My brother lives in Parker. My youngest brother lives in Parker. And I uh, was there with, he, with him and his wife and my nephew. And then my brother and my nephew drove, we drove from Parker, Colorado, to Tempe, Arizona. And he ran last Sunday morning while you were in worship. I was cheering because he was running the uh, Arizona Ironman. So my youngest one, I've talked about, but my middle brother's done three of these. He's crazy. My youngest brother uh, did his first one last week. So it was wonderful. It was a 13-hour drive from... Uh, roughly 13 hours from Colorado, from Denver, where we were, to, uh, to Arizona. And it was the fastest 13 hours I've ever been on. It was beautiful. I'd never been through the mountains of Colorado like that, and then through Utah and down into Arizona. And it was really, really neat. Those of you that know the area well, uh, it was new to me, so it was fun to watch the terrain change. Uh, Tony called at one point on the journey. We were getting in Arizona, and she's like, be careful of deer running across the road. I'm like, Tony, there's nothing out here for deer to eat. There's no way they're out here. It was, it was all rocks and dirt where we were. And those are feeding on the cactus. I don't think so. Uh, but it was, a great, it was a great time away. But it is uh, certainly, as always, I say every time, good to be back. And I always express my deepest gratitude to Pastor Don for his willing to step up and to, to bring the word and to lead and so many others who make it easy for me to be away and not stressed about it. So, amen. <laughs> so, all righty, now, beautiful. We couldn't plan that any better. First Timothy chapter 6 this morning is where the word comes. We're going to begin at verse 6 and read through verse 19. Hear these words of the Lord. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the sight of God who gives life to everything and of Christ Jesus who while testifying before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, I charge you to keep the command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring out in His own time. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal, who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to Him be glory and honor and might forever. Amen. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant or to put their hope in wealth, which is uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides 
us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Brothers and sisters, this is the Word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, that we would take hold of life, the life that is given in Christ Jesus. Bless our hearing of your word. Bless the speaking of these words. And bless our growth as a community of faith and a people united in Christ Jesus. For it is in his name we pray. Amen. Fifth grade, San Mateo Elementary School, Miss Rue's class, friend of mine by the name of Jesse. Jesse was a friend of mine. A real good friend. No, you're going to get that, are you? Never mind. Um, some of you are picking it up. Never mind. That was bad. That was bad. I'm sorry. Miss Rue uh, was, she was a good teacher. And she, but but it, was, it was a different day, which many of us grew up in at school, than, than what my kids are growing up in. And what I mean by that is Miss Rue had in her top right drawer a ruler. Yeah, y'all know where I'm going, don't you? And the ruler she called O. Henry. That was, I always remember the name of her ruler. And if you misbehaved or got out of line, you knuckled out. And you'd get a smack of the ruler. I got one smack, just for confession. I got one my fifth grade year. Jesse, on the other hand, was a regular. And uh, he had, you know, he was up there all the time. Jesse wasn't a, a bad kid. He was just, you know, a rambunctious, misbehaving kid. Anyway, we all got a kick out of Jesse. But, but Jesse, there just didn't seem to be a lot of hope that Jesse was ever going to not be part of the revolving door up to the desk to get smacks on the hand. One day, Jesse comes into class, and he's got, a brace on his hand. Now, the brace was, was really just a, a, um, a bowling glove or whatever. You know, those of you that bowl, the things that keep your wrist straight. That's all it was. It was a leather bowling thingy that you put, I don't know what they're called, but it put on his hand. But when Miss Rue asked him why he had that, he said, because my hand got busted when you smack me with a ruler. <laughs> Miss Rue bought it. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, and, and I'm not, Miss Rue was in tears at the thought that she had busted Jesse's hand. Jesse was lying through his teeth. His hand was fine. But we never saw O. Henry again the rest of the year. Jesse was a hero. Um, always have remembered that. But I was thinking, you know, if, if Jesse used as much energy and creativity into behaving in the first place, it, it wouldn't have mattered. Had Jesse put as much thought and, and effort into to doing some of the, for him, some of the harder things that it wouldn't have been a big deal, but Jesse was looking for the way out. 
we, we have a tendency in life to sometimes look for ways out of things that are unpleasant. We all do it. We may not do it like that. But, I mean, how many of us have, at least at some point or another, tried to get out of something we didn't want to do by being sick or having some creative calamity to, to get out of the event, whether public speaking, a test in school, whatever it may be, something at work. My whole point is there are certain things that we, we have to do in life or that we face that are not always our favorite things to, to have to experience. This morning, the message focuses on one of the things that preachers are notoriously apprehensive about talking about, that I get apprehensive about. It's the S word or the F word or the M word, stewardship or finances or money. Because we're where, look, I hear the voices too. I know what public perception can be sometimes. As I was sitting last week, uh, or actually a little over a week ago, and I was preparing some of the thoughts for this sermon, by coincidence, I was in Denver, and I happened to read an account, a blog, if you will, of a, of a pastor in Colorado. And she was telling part of an experience that she'd had. And she said that she had gone to the grocery store one day, and she ran into a member of her church who had not been there for a few months. And they kind of struck up a little bit of conversation, a little bit of an awkward conversation. But she finally said to her, she said, is there anything the church can do for you? And this woman looked at her and said, yeah, you all can stop asking for money every time I come. She was kind of taken aback, and, and she said she didn't really have a good answer at the time, and the conversation ended awkwardly, and, and they moved on. But, but as most often happens, at least in my life, probably in yours, you think of all the things after the fact that you wish you had said. And so she started to think about that, and it actually became a sermon for her. And she finally got to the place where she stood before her congregation and she said one of the best things about her church was that we're always asking for money. Now, that may sound a little odd, but she said, I want you to think about it. And I think this is a good way to frame it. What would it look like for a church that never had a need? And, and we can frame it in a bigger picture beyond just money. But what would it look like for a church that didn't have that need, that didn't pass the offering plate, didn't ask you to be involved? Well, it would look like a church that when you came in in the middle of the summer had no air or in the middle of the winter had no heat. It would look like a church which didn't have much in the way of other kind of materials and things unless people came and volunteered to do it all. It wouldn't be very clean unless we were on a rotating basis and you all came and cleaned every week. Well, we'd have no nursery. We'd have no children's ministry. We'd have no Sunday school ministries. I'm talking about not just money. I'm talking about human investment, volunteers. Wouldn't have, in, in, in other words, the point was it wouldn't be much of a church, and most likely most of us wouldn't be there. Most of you wouldn't come. And she said part of the gift and part of the health of the church is that we're constantly needing investments. We're, we're needing you to give and to be involved and to, to provide so that we can do the things that we've been called to do. And I thought it was a great framework. I remember reading a list years ago that was contrasting the points of a healthy church and a dying church. And it said, this was interesting, it said one church never has enough money and one church has more than enough money. Here's what was funny. 
The dying church is a church that always has enough money. The healthy church is a church that never seems to have enough or always needs just a little bit more because it's growing, it's reaching, it's making things happen. And, and I started to frame that in, in the life of, of our church. We don't, I don't get up a whole lot and, and ask for money, and, but, but we pass the plate every Sunday. It goes right by you every Sunday. In one way or another, you're invited to give. And every week, I'll stand up here, and I'll tell you about an opportunity for you to either be involved or a need that we have or uh, a bake sale for UMCOR. Uh, constantly, we're reminding you of the need for our, our food pantry and the, the amount of food we give out. Or now, the, the 25 kids every week, 25 kids every week that go home with food for the weekend because our outreach ministry packs backpacks full of food so high-needs kids can go home on a Friday with food in their backpack and bring the backpack on a Monday so they can eat on the days when they don't have school to provide lunches. Yeah, that's right. That's what we're doing. You're doing that. And, and opportunities to be involved in children or adults and, and ministries and thrift stores. I mean, if I start trying to name it, I'm going to forget stuff. Every week, I guarantee you, every week you come here, you're probably going to hear me make some petition for some need, whether it be financial or human involvement, something. And I'll tell you what, thank God for it. Thank God that we're constantly, because that means more stuff's happening. Because I'll tell you what, it's a lot easier on a preacher to be a part of a church that isn't doing anything. It is. I have a lot more stress pastoring this church than I've ever had. And I say that with a sense of joy and thanksgiving. Not all the time. Um, <laughs> there's a few, th well, never mind. I, there's, there's no way for me to go there without getting in trouble. But it is hard. It's demanding. And it requires a lot of our faithfulness and our investment to make a difference and to be a blessing. But it is fundamental to who we are called to be in Christ. Because we do it differently. We do it differently than those outside the church. When I say we, I'm talking about big church. I'm not just talking about Parish United Methodist Church. I'm talking about the Church of Jesus Christ Universal. We do it a little differently. You know, there are secular organizations that provide food for the hungry. There are secular organizations that will, will invest in the lives of children. There are secular organizations that run thrift stores. There are secular organizations that do just about everything that the church does. And that's good, and that's not a criticism. But we do it differently. Because when we do it, we do it in the name of Jesus Christ. When we do it, we do it in a way that calls us to fulfill the great commission or the great commandment. Matthew 22. What does Jesus say? He said, in response to what's the greatest command, he says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. I want you to hear that. With all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all of who you are, all of what you do. Love the Lord your God in that way. And what? Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, we tend to think those are two commandments. Love the Lord, love your neighbor. But they're not. 
Because how do we love God? We love God in how we love our neighbors. We demonstrate our love for God. We live that out. We tangibly, concretely make that real in how we love our neighbors. You cannot love God according to the way of Christ if you do not love others. You cannot do it. Hear me. If you hear nothing else, hear that. If you can't love others, you're not loving God. The love of God, our spiritual connection to our Heavenly Father, is lived out in the way that we give of ourselves for others. And see, that's what I think was a profound reminder for me. Because as I read through the text this morning from 1 Timothy chapter 6, we, we, we read that familiar line in the Scripture. It's one of the most, most misquoted Scriptures in 1 Timothy 6, which says, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Now, what we often quote that, where it gets misquoted, is you may hear, money is the root of all kinds of evil. That's not what, G- that's not what Paul says. He says the love of money. See, what he's talking about in this, in this the, the, kind of the broad look at this text, is he's talking about very divergent paths. And it's not that one path means you have nothing and one path means you have something. It's not saying that everybody should give away everything they have. That's not practical. That's not the world we live in. But what Paul's talking about is he's saying, what is your pursuit? What is it that drives you? He's not saying that you shouldn't have money. He's not saying you shouldn't have any sense of, of material um, provisions. He's saying, what are you pursuing? What is your end-all, be-all? See, the love of money, the pursuit of money, the pursuit of material, the pursuit of selfishness, the pursuit of things that only benefit you is the root, it is the core, is the corruption of our spirits and our walk with Christ and our faithfulness. And he says to the church, he says to us, pursue something different Pursue something of more value. Pursue something more noble, more faithful, more like Christ, which is, he says, to to be generous and willing to share. Pursue the, the, the fruits of the Spirit, endurance, love, gentleness, godliness, faith, righteousness. That's in chapter and verse 11. This is what Paul's saying. What are you pursuing? What are you giving your life to? How is your life exemplifying the way of Christ. And see, what we seek to do as the church is to provide the opportunities to be the kind in which people can live out, where you can live out and live generously according to the way of Christ. Certainly with your resources. We are going to just about break even this year. On our bed. We're about going to spend everything that you've given in ministry and service and, and functioning as a church. That's a good thing. We're not a bank. We're not here to store it up. We got a little bit of reserve. We got a little bit, you know, just in case an AC goes. But we're investing your resources in ministry. But even more important, we're looking for opportunities for you to invest yourself in ministry. You know, we talk a lot about that, that, that ministry and faithfulness and service isn't limited to the church, and it's not. But this is a, a, a 
central, significant location for where that happens. And we constantly want to be the kind of place where you can find opportunities to unleash your gifts and to live generously with your talents, with your resources. Like Pastor Don talked about last week, where you can just try, just give what you've got. Your talents can be invested because it reflects Jesus. Because we want people to know of that unconditional love of Jesus and because it makes a difference. I, I love the statement Paul says. It's, it's kind of cliche now, but, but he says, you know, you, you bring nothing into the world, you take nothing out. I remember as a, as a kid, one of the parents of some of my friends, I can remember it always struck me as, as odd. She would tell her kids, you can run away anytime you want to. She said, anytime, you've probably heard, anytime you think oh, these rules are unreasonable, this house is hard, you may leave. However, you only get to take in what you, or take out what you brought in. Meaning you came in naked, you leaving naked. <laughs> That's what she said. The reality, here's the reality. Here's the, here's the reality. And the, we're all leaving naked. All the stuff we have, as good as it is, we're not taking it with us. But what we'll leave behind, which we've talked about before, is what you invest and what you give and the difference you make in the lives of others. That's your legacy. That's your gift. That's your generous living. That's the way of Christ. I, I want to tell you something. Last night, um, for, the, for the bake sale, Tony's away, so it's just me and the kids. And um, I'm not, contrary to popular opinion, I'm not clueless around the kitchen. I can cook a little bit, but I don't like to. So I thought, well, we wanted to contribute to the bake sale. And so I was talking to the kids. I said, why don't we run to Publix? We'll get a pie. We'll get a cake. We'll get something. We'll bring it up. Cassie, if I can be a proud father for a moment, was having none of that. And she said, no, Dad, I want to make it. I want to bake. And so we went to Publix, and we got the stuff we needed, the brownie mix, the cookie mix, the chocolate chips, the whole thing. And for couple hours last night, Cassie, by herself, made cookies and brownies that are on that table out there for this bake sale. Now, besides just the fact that I, I love to brag about my kids, but, but I want you to know, so I was thinking about that. I was thinking about how she knew how to do that. And certainly some of that's from, from her mama. You know, Tony will bake and stuff. So she's learned some of that with her mom in the kitchen. But, but, excuse me, I don't want to embarrass him, but I don't want to, I want to, I'm just going to name some names here. You know how she learned that? She learned that at your house with Kim and with Mary Kay, who have had her over a few times and had her cook. She learned it at your house when she's been there cooking and baking with Kimla. She learned that from people besides her mama who were willing to just invest some time in her life. That's how she knew how to do that kind of stuff. She didn't learn it from me. <laughs> but it's a microcosm of a much bigger reality of who we're called to be. And here's the point I want to leave you with this morning before we explain a little bit of this. We tend to think, I tend to think sometimes, when I put money in the plate or I volunteer for this or, or I serve in this way, that I'm doing it for the others. I'm doing it to help a family in need or I'm doing it to, to be a blessing to another person. And that is part of the truth. 
But I want you to hear what Paul said in the last few verses that we read. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. Now, what we kind of think is, so that that will bless other people. But don't you hear what Paul finishes with? In this way, they, you and me, will lay up treasure for themselves. For who? For us. We'll lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. See, Paul says when you live generously, graciously, givingly, you live in the way of Christ, you're doing it for your own good. You're being blessed. You're being called closer into the relationship with the Father. You are laying up treasures in heaven, to use Jesus' language. It's not just for the others. That's part of it. It's for you, and it's for me. Because when we live generously, we let go of the things that won't last, and we take hold of the things that will. Our call is to figure out ways to do that, to unleash ourselves. This week is Thanksgiving, and I hope that you take some time to count your blessings. But I thought, you know what would be interesting? In addition to counting your blessings and to sharing those things that you're thankful that you have received and been giving, and that's certainly important. What would it look like if we sat there and said, and thank you, Lord, for the ways that I've been able to give this year. Thank you, Lord, for the ways that I've been able to invest and to make a difference and bless others. What if we were thankful for our giving? How long would that list be? For some of you, it would be really long, really long. It's, it's for your own good. It's for my own good. That's why we're called in the way of Christ. It's the life that is truly life. It's the life of Christ Jesus. And I pray in this next year, there's more opportunities for you to do it. And I pray you continue to hear about more needs we have and more ways you can be involved and more blessings that you can give to financially, personally, because it means we're about the work of Christ. Now, before we conclude this morning, I want to explain what you see here. Because besides just the obvious, these are, these are all blankets. Uh, where's Alma? Where'd Alma sit? Alma, come on up here for a minute. I want you to know what we're doing. Because we're, we're kicking off another ministry today. About a year ago, I don't know how long ago, this spring, Alma came to me. And we sat down in the office and, and she said that she'd been a part of this ministry up in Virginia. That, that made blankets. And or prayer shawls and things like that, that then could be given to, to folks who were in need, need of a blessing, need of knowing that they were loved, or, or parents with, with children. And she said, what, what about kind of having something like that at the church? And I thought, that's a great idea. And so Alma was having to finish, and, and Dick, her husband, were having to finish selling their house up in Virginia and, and moving here permanently, which they've now done. And before you are... Blankets, all these that she has made, correct? Am I being fair? All of these that she's made. And they're, they're tagged with blessings. Some of them are full blankets, and, and they read. Actually, you know what? Let me just read it to you real quick. How are we doing? Let me, let me read you. This is, this is one of the tags on the blessing. It says, With love, this blanket was made for you and prayed over by the congregation of Parish United Methodist Church. As you hold it, know that you are loved. Where there is illness, we pray for healing. Where there is fear, we prayed for peace. Where uncertainty, we prayed for guidance. Where there is weakness, we prayed for strength. In the days to come, may this blanket bring with it both warmth and comfort and remind you of the love of God 
that is with you always, the people of Parish United Methodist Church. Now, um, let me find a, Do we have a baby one? Okay, these smaller ones say, With love, this blanket was made for you and prayed over by the congregation of Parish United Methodist Church. We thank the Creator of all life for this precious gift He has sent to us and pray God will bless this little one with love and health. May God guide this child onto the path that leads to faith and give us wisdom to be the nurturers and teachers this child needs us to be. Amen. Now, we talk about giving today. Now, these gifts are not just something Alma has given for the ministry of the church. but These are going to be available for you, but not really for you. Starting next week, we're going to leave them here for this week so each service can see them. We're going to have these in the back. We want you to take one. If you know somebody who in, is in need of a blanket, somebody in the hospital, somebody in your community, somebody who, who knows that, that needs to know that not only that God loves them, but that there are people that care about them. There are a way for you to tangibly be involved in the ministry of caring. Because here's what I'll tell you. As this church grows, it's a lot harder for a couple pastors or even Stephen ministers to stay on top of all the need. But you know what they are. And these are ways for you to engage. You know, one of the most nerve-wracking things when you go to visit somebody in the hospital, if you've never done it, or you, you have somebody in need, well, what do I say? What do I do? Well, here's a great one. Give them a blanket. Just give them a blanket. It's a great way to, to break the ice and to get involved. What we want to do this morning is bless these blankets. And we'll probably do this from time to time. I also want to say real quickly, if you want to be a part of this, some of you knit and do this kind of stuff, call the church and let us know. We're going to get you in touch with Alma, or we're going to get Alma in touch with you. And, we're, and maybe a team will develop on this, because we're hoping that we constantly need blankets to, to give away. But we want to bless these. This is a way, along with so many others, that we invest and love and live out the call of Christ, not only for the good of others, but for the good of each of us. So we're going to close with a prayer over these. Now, it's hard. There's so many of us in here, we all can't move around. But if you want to get up and you want to walk up here and just put a hand on a blanket and to bless it, to feel it, to touch it as we pray for these and for all of us, I want to invite you to do that. You don't have to, but I'll give you a minute. If you want to come and pray for these blankets as, as I pray, you want to touch them, come on down now. Just, just come on up. All right, for this and for so many other ministries of caring and outreach and ways for us to get involved, I challenge us in the next year to continue to engage and to be the people of generous living that Christ has called us to be. Let's, let us pray. Gracious Lord, that we would be open-handed people, not holding fast to the things that, that, that just benefit us, not holding fast to selfishness or greed, but to living generously and, and giving ourselves in compassion and love and gentleness. Because that's the way of Christ. That's the way of life. Lord, I thank you that we're a church that has many needs all the time. Needs for, for resources to, to bless our outreach ministries. Need for people to be engaged in the lives of children and adults in so many ways. 
And Lord, I thank you for these blankets. I thank you for Alma who has started this ministry. And, and I pray a blessing upon each of these. Because in the days to come, they will warm an adult in need. Or they will comfort and warm a, a newborn child. And, and these blankets represent each of those lives that will be touched, the hands that will touch them and hold them. Bless them. That they be tangible reminders, not only of our love, but of the love of God in Jesus Christ. So bless these blankets. Bless this congregation. Bless those whom we have yet to know about who will receive these gifts. And use us always to your purpose. Because in giving, we not only bless others, but we are blessed. May we be richly blessed through faithfulness and service in the way of Jesus Christ our Lord. And let the people of God say, Amen. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. All righty. And again, Alma is here, and you can talk to her about this ministry, or you can call the church office in the week and weeks to come if you want to be involved. Uh, with that now, what I want to invite you to do is to stand as we're going to sing our hymn of commitment.